0: On the show today, we are going to take a deep look at the president's State of the Union address. Just kidding. The Democratic Party is satanic, so please don't leave us yet. But in the news this week, we will see prostitution in California has found a new venue in front of elementary schools. Satanism took center stage at the Grammys. Hillsong Church appoints a hippie as their new global senior pastor, the Church of England affirms same-sex marriages, and also we will have a second look at Bethel Church, and that's just the news. For our Bible topic today, we want to discuss our 10th and final assurance of salvation. So that's a lot. Let's get to it.
1: Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. My beautiful wife, Nikki. Hi. And we are so grateful that you are here with us today. And uh, if it's your first time here, uh, don't let the name fool you. As we always say, we are very religious. um, But as the world around us continues to get more and more secular, um, we would say more and more religionless. So that is our kind of naming convention here, in a sense, partly. And our goal with the podcast is always to help Christians figure out how to live in this crazy world um, with our eyes fixed on Christ and live a life that's pleasing to Him. And that's what we're going to hope to do today uh, as we look at the news and then ultimately get into our Bible topic at the end. So um, before we dive into all of the news and the Bible topics, honey, is there anything you want to say, any prayer requests that you might have?
0: Um, well, me and Spencer did get baptized on last Sunday, and I know it's Florida, but that water was really cold. <laughs> yeah, so that yeah. was really neat. There was a lot of people who came out there, um, you know, family members, there was one other girl that got baptized with us, so it was a big crowd there that stood out on the, on the dock. And then when we were done being baptized, they all sang Amazing Grace as we walked back up to grab our towels.
1: (laughs) Yeah, though none of us really heard it as we were freezing. (laughs) We got baptized in the bay, which is cool. But yeah, it was like numbingly cold water. So um, maybe we'll put that video up on Facebook uh, or maybe on... Yeah, yeah, we can put it up on Facebook if you guys want to come check that out. I hold to the contention that not all of Nikki's elbow went under so the full immersion i'm not sure if <laughs> it took place we have to redo it before we leave we'll see you guys it
0: all have- dripped down after i came up don't worry all the water yeah so we may it have to fine.
1: you guys come and check out the video and let <laughs> us know if she needs to be re-baptized to get the full immersion because
0: i was plugging my nose so this my right arm
1: yeah it was cold <laughs> um, But yeah, it was awesome. So praise report there. That went well. Thank you, Pastor Kane. That was a wonderful Mm -hmm. time. And for all of Sovereign Grace, our lovely church. And um, as far as prayer requests, uh, man, just looking at the news, going through the news this week, seems like, boy, the the devil is coming for the church. And the church just seems to be laying down for him, rolling Mm -hmm. over for him. And uh, right before we came on here, I just got done reading an article about really a church or Christianity Today kind of seemingly attacking Grace Community Church and John MacArthur over some um, counseling incidents at their church. I don't know a ton about it outside of that story, but it just seemed odd to me like as John MacArthur sort of reeling in his health, this is when they come out again. I mean, one of these stories is 20 years old. And another one's fairly recent, but you're like, does it, you know, seems like it kind of makes sense with one of the great, you know, fighters for the the Christian faith in American, you know, modern history, John MacArthur defended a lot of doctrinal issues. And now that he's reeling, that's when they're coming for him. So just pray for their strength and pray mm-hmm. that John MacArthur gets some strength back and he can come back and, yeah, um, you know, continue to do what he's been doing for the last 50 years. So. And this pray for the church at large. You know, we talked last week, I think, about um, men without spines. And we are seeing churches everywhere be led by men without spines. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that leads to women leading those churches. And just the problems that are coming, and we seem to have no leaders around that are capable or qualified
0: to defend them. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, I was... Looking at an old quote, I don't know when I shared this, just about the churches. Um, Satan says Satan is not fighting churches, he is joining them. He does more harm by sowing tares than by pulling up wheat. And it says that's Vance Havner. Sorry, it's kind of like a weird font signed for his name.
1: And we're gonna get into this exact idea: sowing tares amongst the wheat in the churches as we talk about Bethel later. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, perfect uh, lead off into that. So just pray for that and pray for your pastor, you know, whatever church you're in, pray that they would be bold and fearless with the word of God, because they're going to come for everybody. We've talked about this for months and months now. They're coming for everybody. You know, they like to start with the big churches, you know, but it's going to infect everything. And if your pastor is one of these men without spines... They're gonna get rolled over to I think
0: it, I think it's the big churches first because people tend to think, oh, not that many people would be deceived. So what they're teaching has gotta be true. They, they they believe the majority, which is we see that everywhere, not just in church.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. You know, it's the old uh like the prison rules, right? You know, you get into prison, you go and fight the the biggest. Nastiest dude in there to kind of make the name for yourself. If you can, you know, fight and make your name against uh, Debo in jail, you know, maybe everybody else doesn't want to mess with you. Kind of a thing. So, just pray for the church. Just pray for your church, and then you be a person with a spine (laughs) in your own little, uh, your own little circle that God's given you. Have a spine, stand unflinchingly. You know, it's amazing. We've been going through Luke in our. Um devotionals, and just to hear the way Jesus no apologies, just truth, and then let people deal with the truth the way they deal with it, most of the time they're praising him, they're grumbling, they're praising him, they're grumbling, and he's not changing, he's just straight truth. Pharisees hate him, they don't understand it doesn't matter, it's the truth, so you be the one with a spine if no one else around you seems to have one so all right, so as Nikki mentioned, we do have a lot to get to, so let's just um, quickly mention to you guys about Cardinal Contingency Solutions. Uh, it's not just the church that is getting more and more out of control. The whole world is, um, and I don't know if there's been a time where this is more necessary to have contingency plans, whether you're a church sending people Across the world on missions trips, or if you're just a church, I mean, when this DIE mob, LGBTQ mob comes for your church, are you prepared for it? Are your pastors trained and prepared for when a cell phone gets put in their face or, you know, a protest shows up outside your church? Are you ready for that? Are you going to speak properly? Um, or are you going to be caught off guard and just spitballing whatever comes out of your brain? that's a bad spot to be in. So reach out to Cardinal. They're the best at the world at contingency planning, messaging, counter messaging, all of that. And uh, this isn't for some nefarious purposes, but it's just for keeping yourself from, you know, being led into a trap. You know, keeping yourself on guard so that you're not trapped in some one of these sort of kind of gotch, you know, social media posts and those those sorts of things. So They'll be in the show notes. Give them a call. I do not think you'll be disappointed. Um, And then just one last point that I want to make before we get into the news. Uh, We'll kind of be having like a special episode, if you will. It's not going to be all that special, but it's just going to be on Monday. Uh, Typically, we do our daily devotionals on Monday through Friday. Uh, But just for Monday this week, we want to discuss Charles and Andy Stanley. And we have a lot to discuss about that, kind of going through a, a couple articles. And if we tried to add it into this episode, this would be about a two hour episode, which is way too long. So we just decided to split them. We'll talk about the news and assurances today, Charles and Andy Stanley on Monday. and then Tuesday through Friday, we'll be back into the daily devotionals, and then everything. Hopefully, we'll go swimmingly from there. And then next weekend, we'll be diving into sin. Um,
0: Not literally.
1: Not literally. (laughs) (laughs) Pray for us, but discussing sin. So, all right. With all that said, to the news. And all right, let's cue the music. We need the music this week, if you've ever needed the the music before. So prepare yourself. Gird up your loins. Steal up your soul. And prepare yourself as we take our weekly trek through the valley of the shadow of death and take a look at the news of the week so we're going to just kind of go through these i guess as quickly as we need to um because i think they're just things that we've reminded christians of culturally before but it just continues to bear repeating um so we're going to spend a little more time probably on Bethel, but we do want to get through some of these stories because I think for the Christian, they are important. Um, and then also we do want to save some time at the end for that assurance of salvation, um, which again, we'll be uh, pushing the Andy Stanley stuff towards Monday. So, all right, first thing. And we haven't probably touched on this in a while, <laughs> but this will serve as our sort of a uh, repeated reminder to homeschool your children. Do you want to read that headline, honey? Uh,
0: prostitutes solicit sex right outside Catholic elementary school. Police handcuffed after California Democrats passed a law to protect transgender sex workers.
1: <laughs> yes. And now seems like maybe a good time for our uh, plug here that we've reminded you guys of before. A good opportunity to sign up for the Homegrown Generation online conference, four-day conference. So if you've ever thought about homeschooling your kids, you homeschool them currently, and you just want more uh, information, go sign up. I think it's only 35 bucks. Link will be in the show notes. Homeschool your kids because that is the revolution. We've been saying that for a it while. It is. Yeah. But yeah, so... Um, <laughs> California has prostitutes just soliciting sex right outside of a Catholic elementary school. Um, And I don't know if there's a better representation of just the world that the satanic left is comfortable in. This is their um, Shangri-La. Like, (laughs) this this is their paradise, the satanic left. California, it's made in their image. And what do we see it as? Prostitution right outside of a Catholic elementary. Because they hate children, plain and simple, and they love perversion.
0: All I could do as a parent is, I would just be like, you're not going to school. Nobody's looking out for my kid, obviously.
1: Right. But then I would
0: just be like, nope, staying home until they fix this. You know, If I was of the mindset to send them back to school.
1: Right. And that's a genius plan. But that bumps into the idolatry of comfort and materialism, because in order to keep them home, maybe one of you can't go to work. Well, that's going to put a a dent there in the old wallet, the old bank account, right? Um, Which is ultimately why so many people choose to send their kids to school and daycare and all of these sorts of things so that both families can work, both parents can work. So it's a great idea. But you're going to be having to will, or you'd have to be willing to give something up in order to keep your kids home, Uh, which sadly I don't know that many would choose to do. But uh, so, as the story goes, at least in California now, they've passed a law apparently that you can't arrest or target sex workers because sex workers are often minorities and oppressed individuals. Um, so, thereby, if a cop arrests a girl, even if she's knowingly engaging in sex work in California, uh the cop gets in trouble because now he's oppressing minorities. Uh, so you know, at least in California, for now, uh, if the teachers can't pervert your children in the classroom, the California government and the law enforcement there. Well, they'll have pimps and prostitutes waiting for them once they leave the school.
0: But wait, what if you live in that neighborhood? Because there's houses there too. You homeschool, but you have prostitutes walking around right by your house. Well, and they
1: talk about that in this article that these girls and the pimps, they stand in people's yards like blocking their driveways that they can't even get into their homes. You know, because how many school moms and soccer moms are going to get out and confront a pimp? And sadly, most of the men in California are probably beta males that have no spine. They're not going to get out and confront a pimp either. You know, so, well, I guess we're just moving, kids. (laughs) The house is the pimps now.
0: I mean, that brings Um, down, I mean, I don't know what kind of neighborhood that is, but that definitely brings down the value.
1: It shouldn't. (laughs) I mean, in California, again, this is what they vote for. Maybe because
0: it's California. This is what they
1: want. So this might raise the value. Hey, listen, guys. Not only do you have a quarter acre lot, but in the front yard, you have pimps and prostitutes. So you don't even have to go far to serve your sexual perversion. Just open the front door Come and on. give them a holler. It might go in California. I mean, this is what they want, right? Politics are just a reflection of the people. So this is what California loves. And it's a shame. Um, but again, this is why we want to remind you with this story. For the love of all things holy, home school your children. You have to protect them from the people like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, Um, because he, like so many Democrat politicians, have an insatiable desire to either kill your children in the womb or secure them on Satan's team after they're born.
0: Well, some of these kids, some of these girls on here are... They said like fifteen, sixteen. That one guy said,
1: right. And this is also like they
0: are kids. The nefarious
1: <laughs> part of this: most of these girls are probably sex trafficked or human trafficked. right? Yeah. Well, cops can't get them,
0: right? They They're can't just do anything. free to
1: be sex trafficked. Because um, it's even interesting in here. They uh, interview some politician in California, and he makes the case like, well, if it's a problem, arrest the pimp in the john. So you can arrest the pimps, you can arrest the Johns, but the girl's actually doing the sex work, is hands off.
2: So what does it matter
1: if you arrest a pimp, but his girl is still being forced to go out and do all the work? Well, as soon as he gets out of jail, I mean, he's just getting the money that she made while he was there. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. You know
0: what? I don't know. I just feel like if I lived there and I saw 15, 16-year-old girls, I would be like, okay, they're like our kid's age, but I'd be like, oh my gosh, where's their mom? I'm going to go out to them and... Bring them a meal or do something like let them know, hey, someone well, cares about you and your well-being. If you want to come in and talk with me, no, I know I can't.
1: I would say that sounds nice, but the problem is
0: the pimps are watching. Pimps are violent. Like if
1: you come and try to take a girl from a pimp, like it's not just going to be like, oh, okay. I mean, that's the they whole reason. They would know if you that. were
0: trying to reach out to help them, potentially.
1: Right, and mm. then if you were a dude with a spine, you wouldn't care. You'd probably go out purposefully to meet the pimp, right? But most of these people, again, they voted for Gavin Newsom, and then they voted for him again during the recall. So they want this. This is the lifestyle they like. So it's just a reminder, you know, because this is California now, it's probably going to come to New York soon, Illinois, you know, all those sorts of places. So homeschool your kids and protect your kids. And don't just protect them from the perversions at the public school and by their local Democrat politicians. Um, this even needs to continue once you get them home. If the pimp isn't blocking your driveway, (laughs) you can actually get into your house. They still need your protection. Um, you need to protect them from the satanic culture. And, uh, that brings us really to our next story here, which you guys have probably heard about. Do you want to read that headline?
0: Sam Smith's satanic Grammys performance slammed sponsored by Pfizer.
1: (laughs) Could not be more perfect, um, but yeah. So, you guys have probably heard about the sort of satanic performance put on. You know, I would just say this is probably the most. This is just the most overt satanic performance. I, have to
0: say, I don't know who Sam Smith is.
1: Uh, apparently, he's a non-binary. Like so who knows a who that is? Guy. Well, the people that watch the Grammys know who that is. Oh. Um, but. <laughs> You know, I would say most of the Grammys is satanic because it's all, you know, people dressed incredibly immodestly. All the music is probably sexually immoral or violent of some sort if it's hip hop music. So this was just the most overt satanic performance um, of the night. But, you know, we talked a while back. One of the first episodes we ever did on our show. I mean, this was back, you know, we had...
0: It was probably like episode three. It was like
1: episode three, (laughs) I think. Uh, We'll try to find it and link it. Go give it a watch. Um, Tell us if we've improved at all. If we haven't, then maybe we're doing things wrong. I
0: remember recording it. We were sitting on the fireplace.
1: Yeah, on the fireplace, which I like that setting. But we talked about Little Nas X when he came out with his Satan shoes. And we talked at that time, so this was almost two years ago now, that Satanism is going to become more mainstream. Um, It's like a brand. It's a brand, and here we are. I mean, it can't get more mainstream in the entertainment culture than the Grammys. I mean, that's it. That's the most mainstream that it really can get. And the Grammys, just full-on worship of Satan put on our public airwaves. So it couldn't have been more clear, you know, this is what they were trying to do, shove Satanism in your face. And the two people they decided to do it with was the non-binary lead singer who's a dude that's confused and I guess the other singer was like a transgendered woman or male, I don't know what, but it was like a non-binary and a transgendered person singing to you from basically hell.
0: But they're just revealing the spirit behind all the wickedness.
1: And that's the point. <laughs> if you see this, if it's shoved in your face, and you just go, but the songs are good, then you're the problem. (laughs) It's not the culture. It's you. You've got to recognize and go, yeah, you know, I enjoy the beats, you know, I whatever, but I have to come to the realization that, boy, this entertainment culture has left me behind. They
0: know how to appeal to the flesh. That's how they pull you in. The beat is good. You know, the music is good, and nobody really pays attention to what words really mean. Right. And
1: we're going to get into this again more with Bethel as we get down to them. But, you know, just the idea with this is you need to be shielding your children from this perverse and quite literally satanic culture. Um, And not just using it as a talking point, you know, and not just as like, well, it's enjoyment. We talk to our kids and they understand. No, pull them out and protect them from these people. because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we as adults, like we might be able to separate ourselves from the music and the people and the lifestyles, and we just say, "Well, I like the music. I don't really care about little naszacks and all kids can't. I mean young kids they can't separate that, and I would argue, yeah. honestly, if you look at our culture, most adults can't either. They yeah. get sucked in just the same, even though they may lie to themselves better. Um, but children certainly can, you know, and God placed these children in your care for a reason. So care for them, protect them from this culture that's doing everything they can to pervert them um, and drag them to hell with them. I mean, they're doing everything they can to show you what a great time hell is. Look Satan at all these clad women. Oh man, it's so cool down yeah,
0: here. Yeah, It's like Satan works harder corrupting your children
1: than we you do, do protecting.
0: protecting like the effort put in, like it's a spiritual matter here. Like number one job as a parent is keeping them, keeping them pure, protecting their minds, protecting their souls. Um, I mean, that's so why we say the schools are so corrupt. Um, I mean, that just seems like a very easy answer. Simple. Yeah. But... I mean it's not gonna fix everything. Like they're not completely shielded from everything because you homeschool.
1: So no, but it's you're doing what you can. Um it's a and big again, thing. we know not everybody can homeschool. We certainly encourage everybody to. We know everybody can't, but it's like you gotta be invested. And you know, we've talked about helicopter parent that get a bad or that gets a bad name. We advocate for it. Helicopter the mess out of your kids. <laughs> um because wherever you're not, you know, in our culture today, uh, Satan and his cohorts and his children are there. So when you're not there shielding, they're there working, it seems. Um, oh, yeah. So you need to be there shielding at almost all times. So just uh, consider that, you know, and again, this is Hollywood, you know, if you want to save, but we can lump them right in with the media that we talk about all the time, the political class as we just saw with California. And again, you could lump in the State of the Union address, all of that sort of stuff. It's all satanic. It's all outright antichrist. I mean, when your platform is, we need to make sure we secure the rights for abortion for all Americans, that's satanic. (laughs) It just is. You need to shield them from that, you know, and talk to them about this and be in their ear, so that they can hear the truth before they get fed a lifetime of lies that you got to unravel. So um, consider that. Shield your children. So before we get to Bethel Church, um, we do want to just highlight one other church. So we've on a, a roll here about, you know, churches that we should probably avoid. So here's one more, honey, if you want to read this headline.
0: Phil and Lucinda Dooley appointed new global senior pastors of Hillsong Church.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Phil Dooley,
0: the new (laughs) senior
1: pastor, the global senior pastor. That's a senior pastor's senior pastor. The entire globe. There you go. (laughs) But we've discussed Phil Dooley and Hillsong on here before multiple times, but And I just have to make the point. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're not going to see this. So I encourage you to go follow the links in the show notes and go check out the story. Uh,
0: Hmm.
1: And I might be alone in this. You know, I've mentioned this before and gotten pushback from people, but I'm standing my ground on this point. If your pastor dresses the way Phil Dooley does here in this picture, uh, when he dresses like this to deliver God's word, to his church, let alone to have hands laid on him during an anointing ceremony, go I mean, find yourself another church.
0: Every, all the other men there dressed respectful.
1: Yeah. I mean, all the other men got, you know, sport coat, at least, you know, shirt. And then there's Phil Dooley looking like he just got off the waves, um, <laughs> you know, surfing out there somewhere off the coast of Sydney, got his beanie on. Um, couldn't be more relaxed. And, you know, I just can't help but see, I mean, obviously we know about some of the things at Hillsong, but if this is the way your pastor dresses, and this is purposeful because every time you see Phil Dooley, this is the way he's dressed. The beanie on, you know, casual attire, like it's a persona for him. I would assume. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't get past the fact that this is a pastor that doesn't take his position and work seriously enough.
0: I mean, just was talking with Jacob today. You know, he's learning about um, just things to think about going to a job interview. Like, don't wear a hat. Don't wear, you know, your coat. Don't bring, you know, all these little like details. And he thought, oh my gosh, those are so silly. I was like, no, that shows you take the job that you're applying for seriously. You're not trying to look silly. You're not chewing gum. You're not bringing in a drink. You're not just, he didn't get it at first, but I had to explain it to him. So it just made me think of him here. Like, take, like, this is a very high position. This is the highest position in this. You're showing how casually you're taking it.
1: Yeah. Like you're, it just, again, it just makes me seem or think like ego, You know, or some, it's like the same thing with the pastor, you know, we've talked about a pastor we had before and he would wear ridiculous outfits, you know, like super skinny jeans, sort of like the high cut at the ankle, you know, like big jerseys, all this sort of like goofy stuff. And you're like, dude, you spend a lot of time to come out here and make sure you look a certain way rather than being like, I'm going to look like what I'm handling here is very serious. You know, you wouldn't go to your wedding dressed like a, a hippie. Um, you know, and it's just strikes me as very odd. So there's probably a lot of reasons to not go to Hillsong. I would say Phil Dooley as the senior pastor would be one for me. Um, Again, I know I'm probably going to get pushback on that from some people, but, You (laughs) you know, if your pastor isn't taking it serious, I wouldn't take him very serious. So that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> um, all right. Oh, yeah. I forgot. One more story here. A serious story um, before we get to Bethel Church. So, um, just recently, um, well, do you want to read this headline, honey?
0: Church of England votes in favor of blessings for same sex unions.
1: Yep. So, the Church of England um, at their general synod, I guess is what it is, they debated passionately, to stand for God and his word, or to bend to man and his sexual perversions. And it's 2023, so you know how that debate ended. The Church of England will now bless same-sex marriages. Do you want to just read a couple paragraphs here?
0: The Church of England will offer church blessings to same-sex couples in civil marriages In a profound shift in its stance on homosexuality after a historic vote by its governing body, conservatives narrowly succeeded in amending the motion to endorse the church's doctrine of marriage that it is between a man and a woman and stating that blessings should not indicate a departure from doctrine.
1: Yeah, so the conservative wing of the Church of England... Uh, got an amendment passed to say that the Church of England uh, departing from Christian doctrine is not departing from Christian doctrine. That's their amendment. Hey, before we depart from Christian doctrine, can we pass this document that says we're not departing from Christian doctrine? They're like, whatever, sure. So whatever helps you sleep at night, uh, maybe that helps the conservative wing of the Church of England sleep at night.
0: Yeah, I was reading Mark 8 today, and it made me think of this, how they're just ashamed of God's words. In Mark 8, Jesus says, uh, starting in verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So there's people who, you know, they're, they're saying they're not ashamed of Jesus. They follow Jesus, but they're ashamed of the things he teaches. And if God said it in the Old Testament, Jesus is God, they are one, Jesus agrees. So they're ashamed of his teaching. So you have to be careful. Um, This isn't just for this church. All of us need to be aware um, on something, you know, we're reading in scripture and we might not agree because the culture's different now. All, you know, all the excuses people have, you can't be ashamed of Jesus' words. So
1: yeah, I mean, and this is progressivism. You know, whether it's progressive Christianity or we see it progressivism in politics, right?
0: Mm-hmm. We want
1: doctrine documents, we want doctrine to change with the time. Yeah,
0: yeah. We don't
1: want to stay steadfast to the doctrine we were given. The doctrine needs to adhere to whatever we believe today. So in the case of the Church of England, well, it seems like you know, LGBTQ. Uh, lifestyles, homosexuality is really gaining a lot of ground. So we should just change our doctrine to accept all of those people rather than, you know, have the mob turn their attention to us because we hold to the doctrines of the creator of the universe who gave them to us 2,000 years ago. We'll just change them for today because that makes it easier. You know, it's the same thing in this country, right? Oh, we have the Constitution. Yeah, but we don't like some of that stuff today. The whole Second Amendment thing. What's that all about? Let's just get rid of it because, you know, we don't like it anymore. Well, you shouldn't just be changing doctrine willy-nilly, especially when it comes from the mouth of God. Um, unless he gives us a new document, a New Testament, uh, I mean, you should be holding fast to it if you proclaim to be a Christ follower.
0: I know you have mentioned something before about people thinking they can love better than Jesus loves you know, saying, oh, it's not very loving to, you know, tell them they can't get married, or it's like a, this weird obsession yeah, that's with love. Yeah, all of this and-
1: progressive Christianity. You know, we're going to love better than God. We're nicer than God. Yeah. You know, God and all these rules, it's so rigid, but not with us. With the Church of England, we'll just love people to the Lord. Well, which Lord? I mean, whichever one they want to believe in. You know, and this is what we were telling our kids tonight, like, the problem with this is when you go soft on, you know, biblical truth in one area, how are you going to hold anybody accountable to any part of biblical truth? You know, what if someone walks in and says, hey, man, I'm about to walk outside and beat the crap out of this, you know, person that bumped into my car in the parking lot, and you go, brother, don't, you know, in your anger, do not sin who are you to tell me that? Well, it says it in the word. Yeah. Well, it says that we shouldn't be sexually immoral in the word either. You guys don't care about that. Why do you care about this? Oh, because, you know, that one progressives in our country don't like either. So like, once you go soft on any part of scripture, you really have no leg to stand on with any of it.
0: You're afraid to like hurt people's feelings and telling them that they're sinning against God. Like you care more about their feelings than obeying God. You have more fear of people not liking you than you do of fearing God. It's just...
1: It's wild. Um, but do you want to yeah. read this next little bit?
0: All right. says, so as well as uh, backing blessings, the synod agreed that the church would apologize for the harm it has caused to the LGBTQ plus people. It also welcomed a forthcoming review of a ban on clergy entering into same-sex civil marriages and a celibacy rule for clergy in same-sex relationships.
1: Yeah. So does the conservative amendment cover this as well? Is allowing um, clergy that are in same-sex marriages not departing from doctrine uh, is allowing clergy in same-sex relationships not departing from church doctrine? Because it would seem like it is. Unless, you know, just saying it's not is acceptable, which is what the conservatives there seem to be trying to do. But we have just a couple more quotes here.
0: All right. Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Did I say that right? Canterbury? Yeah, Canterbury. And Stephen Patrell, the Archbishop of York, said they hoped the decision marked a new beginning for the Church of England, saying it has been a long road to get us to this point.
1: Yes, about two thousand years, uh, but this is not a new beginning. Uh, this is far more a nail in the coffin than a new beginning. And in a statement, this is also in the article. It says, in the in a statement, they said for the first time the Church of England will publicly, unreservedly, and joyfully welcome same-sex couples in the church. Uh, but not departing from doctrine, of course. The conservatives reminded us of that. Hmm. So, you know, whatever they want to say there, the Church of England, you can just consider a dead church. Yeah, <laughs> You can just assume that they'll be fully given over to the LGBTQ DIE mafia. I would say within a decade, if it takes that long. Um, And we should pray for them because they'll stand before God, give account for this, you know, for why they knew better than God did, because that's what they're claiming. We understand marriage and sexuality far better than God could. So that's why we're going to clear up God's mistakes here. Um, They know far better how to constitute marriage than God does. That's what they're telling you here. And they're going to have to give an account for why they're leading their flocks astray. Because this is what they're going to be teaching their flocks. So we should all pray that God would have mercy on their souls. And that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction. And for those that actually have courage, you can stay and fight if you want. But I would tell you to flee. Get out of there. Um, Let that ship sink. Um, Yeah, We don't need it. So, uh, But ultimately, at the end of the day, it makes sense because the Church of England was birthed out of rejecting God's standard for marriage. Um, and what's that old saying? I think the uh, a tiger cannot change its stripes, is what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. You know, I think the Church of England, I don't remember the king's name, King Charles or whatever, but it was essentially birthed out of the Roman Catholic Church telling that king you can't just keep divorcing your wives and murdering your wives. That's not biblical. And he said, okay, well, then I'll go and start my own church where that is allowed. And that's essentially what birthed the Roman or the church of England. And uh, so the Puritans were right to try to reform and purify that church in the 1700s because it was a church gone astray. Mm. And 300 years later, it's still a church gone astray. Yeah. So, We do have one clip here that we want to play just to highlight um, the deep theological reasoning for why they made this uh, detour in doctrine. And I will just note, um, if we talked to you guys about Woke Preacher clips last week, Woke Preacher clips has put a lot of this uh, synod out. So if you want to go and listen to this, and one thing I noticed, I didn't listen to a lot of them, but I did peruse through a few of them. A lot of the people that seem to be standing up and giving these ridiculous claims about LGBTQ affirmation, they seem to be women. (laughs) Just seems odd. Um, Some of them clergy, uh, apparently. So they're already potentially off base there. And, you know, just like in this country, right, Um, that sort of feminization, that sort of serves as kind of the muscle for this LGBTQ um, affirmation here, seems to be working its same magic there in England. So let's see what this woman has to say.
3: I'm an accountant. I like things to add up. I like things to make sense. And what we have here is something that doesn't really add up and doesn't make sense. And what I'm saying is that's Okay. I think we need to be brave and we need to step into a space which is messy, which is difficult and does not necessarily add up. And we need to do that in order to love some people we have desperately hurt. I've been keeping a note of the votes. And I don't think that we have, at the moment, in any of the houses, the two-thirds majority, we would need to change doctrine. And I think that's rather sad. And I think we need to move some way. And if that takes a bit of mess, and it not quite making sense, and it takes bravery, then we should do it.
0: Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> be brave and change doctrine is what I got out of that. Yeah,
1: we don't have enough votes to be brave and change doctrine. You shouldn't just change doctrine. It's doctrine. It's either right or it's wrong. And, you know, they may just not know. So I thought I would help them out. And I think we mentioned this last week. We'll go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. Uh, Which says, let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, right here. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Uh, So that might be doctrine they threw out as well. Who's to say? But uh, maybe, you know, they got enough votes. She convinced them with that compelling speech. they have
0: to change a lot, really, try and...
1: Well, once you change one doctrine, why not change them all?
0: Yeah. You know? Looking at the context there, they're like, well, that one we don't need anymore, and this is listed in the same context. Let's pretend that doesn't matter either.
1: You know, this whole Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, that really... Just limits a lot of people from coming in.
0: For the sake of, we'll like, just... love, though, is what they're doing at. They want to... They keep saying we have hurt the LGBTQ plus group. How have we hurt them? By right. saying the truth. Um, that They're instant. Like, anybody who's identifying innocent, and it's harsher because it's an identity, and I talked about that before, so it is going to sting a little more because it's your identity it's not that you're just trying to overcome something you're just who i am so it's going to seem more hurtful when you tell somebody they're in sin that that's not right um so how is i just don't get how they're saying we have hurt them we have hurt them with god's word and we use god's, god's word wrong god
1: is not as loving as The progressives in the Church of England. And they're going to love these people as they walk them to hell for eternity. Um,
0: So, speaking the truth in love isn't enough. It's just get rid of the truth because that's offensive. It's just love, love without truth. That's what we're going for.
1: Yeah. Because if you think that these people that are willing to change this doctrine, you know, because The times say we should change the doctrine are then somehow going to be the people that are staunch enough in their other doctrine to say, we demand that you come out of that sin, you repent, and you leave that lifestyle behind, or you're out. No, (laughs) they're just going to allow same sex, like they said, into the clergy, into, you know, the leadership of the Church of England, and there's just going to be no distinguishing and it's no longer a sin. Sexual immorality. So, you know, you could have the Archbishop of Canterbury could just be hooking up with women every night of the week. Who's to say that's wrong anymore? You're not, not the Church of England.
0: This is giving people a free pass. Yeah. It's, it's gonna, it's not just opening the door to this, it's opening the door for people to feel comfortable doing every other sin.
1: Well, and that's probably ultimately what's going to happen, right? Because telling people they're sinning, people don't like that. Um, You know, Jesus, if he would have only been a Church of England member and had learned this great doctrine, he might not have been crucified. You know, he was just a little too rough around the edges. You know, all that whole telling people what they needed to hear instead of what they wanted to hear. guess he just wasn't smart enough like that lady. So Church of England's dead. Um, but again, they were born in apostasy, so it makes sense. All right, we've been kind of talking about Bethel here a little bit, or kind of all the way through this episode, uh, and we want to talk about them again. We talked about them a lot last week. If you missed that, please go back. Our stance isn't changing. You need to denounce Bethel um, in all of its practices. I'm sure there's some good people in Bethel, but the Bethel church, movement, leadership as a whole, denounce it, rid yourself of it. So after watching the video that was posted by Mike Winger that we sort of covered last week, you know, use that as our discussion point, um, where he was kind of looking into a book by Bethel. And it was called the physics of heaven. Well, we saw this sort of review of Mike Winger's video from a Bethel alum, it's this one down here, if you can see it. Um, he was kind of reviewing Mike Winger's video. And we thought initially, we're like, oh, this guy's going to be given a defense of Bethel. So let's see what he has to say to combat Mike Winger's arguments. This will be interesting, something to talk about. So we went and gave it a watch. And about eight seconds in, you realize, nope, <laughs> he's just really confirming and going even further than everything Mike uh winger said. And we're like, well, it's still a good discussion point because he is a Bethel alum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um this guy, I think it's called the Westwood or something is what his channel's called. And
0: yeah.
1: He went to the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I think he even went to like a follow-on academy. Uh that sort of stuff and by the grace of God came out of there and he gives a lot of discussion on his channel about the different things that go on at Bethel. Um, so as Mike's pointing out these parts about the book, he's making note throughout his review that like, yeah, no, that's what it is. Let me go a little further. Let me explain why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what scripture they're twisting to get you here.
0: Well, he made, um, well, he's he shared that when he, the whole prophecy thing that Bethel does, and he noticed a lot of prophecies didn't come to pass. He he was on the worship team and everything, um, so he's very, um, you know, just really into it. Just um, you know, well, he'll talk about the whole worship thing too with the music. But he became an atheist for a little while because prophecies weren't happening. And all the miracles, all the prayers, all the the de- the decrees, the declare and decree things. I guess that's kind of the prophecy too. Um, and I think, I bet, I bet there's a bunch of people just like him. He said he was on the worship team still as an atheist, like just finishing out um, before he was going to be done there for like six months or something. He was still on the worship team, but he was an atheist.
1: Yeah, so so again, that's why we kind of decided that this was still worth discussing going through this video. And this is going to be our sermon recommendation. So go give it a listen, Um, because all it really did was give validity to our arguments that we made last week that you need to denounce Bethel um, in all, every part of it um, as a heretical church, Um, the church and all of their practices (laughs) really need to be denounced, I think. Yep. Um, So again, you can go watch this video and we encourage you to, but it really only brought up two major points that I wanted to discuss here today. And the first was with the music. He talks quite a bit about the music in here and so does Mike Winger. And we kind of didn't cover that last week. Um, But, you know, even people that disagree with Bethel and their uh, theological stances, many of them will still listen to and promote their music. You know, there are arguments that, well, yeah, the theology is a bit watered down, um, but it's not necessarily wrong theology necessarily. Mm -hmm. And then with that, it's just good music, right? It gets you caught up and it sounds good. They produce good music. And we can't argue with that. It does sound good. It's good music. Um, And it does sound like good music that's more Christian in its lyrics than anything, you know, you're going to hear at the Grammys. So there's at least that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but with that said, we are also recommending that you stop listening to Bethel and denounce their music right along with the whole movement. Um, so let's just hear what this gentleman has to say. Is going to do this.
4: is. So he's going to jump more into this later in the video, but I'll jump on this right now. Um, this is a big part of Bethel's worship, and there's a there's a certain album that came out, and we'll, we'll speak on this later, uh, that Bethel released that touches on this. But they absolutely, the idea of a sound, I can't tell you how many prophecies I've heard or received or given, unfortunately, um, about the sound, about how there's a new sound, there's a new wave. Ray Hughes is a big proponent of this. He talks about... You know uh, how it used to be A four forty two, and now it's tuned to A four forty. And for those of you who know, that's like a certain tuning, and how that adjustment of tuning has changed what you know, um, or sorry, other way around. It was four forty 440 to four forty two, one of the two. But how the Nazis did that, and then that turned this into this, and that pushed you know a new evil, corrupt sound, and that distorted the waves, and there's distortion, and how different keys bring different healing. Like you talk about how. If you play in the right key of C in the proper A440 tuning, then this will happen. It's like, this is all part of what they do. And it's it's kind of the undertow of Bethel's worship, honestly. Uh, they want to create such a sound that that's like part of their what they do. is They want a sound of worship that changes atmospheres and does all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's New Age practice there. It's like, our, we shouldn't be focusing on the sound of worship. We should be focusing on the liturgy and the theology of worship. Is it good? Is it sound theology? That's the only sound thing we should be focusing on for our worship. But it's the opposite with Bethel. It's, is it an actual sound that's going to be influencing people? So
5: that's what this is related to. Spiritual senses. The neural pathways of the spirit realm created a myriad of spiritual encounters. So the new age is very interested in synesthetic stuff. Like in science, synesthetic responses is like where someone they see the color blue and it causes it uh um their brains wiring's kind of messed up and it it causes them to taste a flavor
4: Uh uh-huh kind of the album that's
5: like it triggers signals of flavor so they can they say they can taste blue but they're not actually tasting what blue objectively tastes like they're 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 having a wiring issue um, so that's a synesthetic response. But in the new age, they want to say like, oh, no, no, we're, we're tying, we're opening your third eye. We're tying together all the senses, spiritual and sight and sound. And it's, yeah. and it turns into this woo thing. That's what she's talking about.
4: And that's what this album here, that's what we're doing here. That's what this is.
1: Yeah. So, you know, they talk a little bit more in there about the idea of Bethel music, but Basically, Bethel's music is designed to be sort of a mystical experience. That's what they're doing with their music, as he talked about these, you know, sound and vibration, these sort of um, tonal noises that they're trying to put in their music.
0: Yeah, didn't they say one of their albums, and maybe it was this one, the Synesthesia.
1: Synesthesia. Um,
0: yeah. like soaking music.
1: Yeah, and they talk a lot about the New Age practice of soaking. And he's like, that's exactly what they teach at the school of supernatural ministry. So the
0: soaking is where you're like, you close your eyes, you're laying down, and you're just imagining, you know, that whole thing that Judy, uh, I can't remember her last name, but the one who wrote that book, um, that she teaches, you just close your eyes and you well, you pray, God sanctify my imagination. So whatever you imagine as you're laying there, letting your mind wander about being in heaven that that you really are there in heaven. You're visiting heaven and your imagination because you asked God to sanctify your imagination. So, just you just laying down, imagining that they call that soaking. And they're telling you, you really went to heaven, whatever you imagined.
1: Yeah. And they talk in here that soaking is a very new age sort of mystic practice. So, that's what they're doing. And they talk in that book all about taking from the new age. So, this practice of soaking, the music is designed to get you into that soaking environment. Began Because again, they believe in that vibration, sound waves, and this sort of stuff that can change the atmosphere. Um, And that's what they're trying to put into their music.
0: So they literally, they probably say, sending you good vibes and prayers.
1: Yeah. And they probably (laughs) quite literally think they're sending you good vibes. So, you know, when you're listening to that, um, you know, you may just be saying, well, that's good music. You know, that's why I like it. It's good music. But Bethel is hoping to draw you in metaphysically into sort of their New Age mysticism.
0: It is mysticism. That's what
1: they're trying to do. So you might just go, well, I like the way it sounds. Well, good. They think that it's going to actually produce their result in you. Um, And again, you may say, well, that's all nonsense, right? It won't work on me, so it's okay. But the other problem with this is when you listen to Bethel, when you Buy their music or when your church pays for the rights to their songs and they sing Bethel music, you're giving your money and your endorsement to Bethel. Mm-hmm. So you're effectively mainstreaming a heretical, new age, mystic, unbiblical version of Christianity.
0: Yeah.
1: And you may think it's not a big deal to you, but that's gonna trap and lead others astray. So again, we're gonna say denounce them in their entirety, including their music, uh, yeah. because they're goal of their music is mysticism not you know, you know like he talks about sound theology it's sound <laughs> it's, it's mystic soaking sound you know vibrations not sound theology so
0: yeah you it goes along the it. lines with the the whole word of faith movement which these are similar um the new age um, belief that whatever you speak comes into existence. So it's the sound of your words. It all has to do with sound.
1: Yeah. So again, we encourage you to denounce it entirely. There's other music that sounds good. That's not trying to draw you into a heretical, new age soaking environment. Um, But we have one other point here that we want to discuss here. And this has to do with the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry sort of their seminary for the church movement. So let me see if I can pull this up.
5: Jeremiah again, and make those truths available to the church at large. Red alert. They want to promote this to the church at large. Bethel's agenda is to create a worldwide move, but it's a worldwide move that's based on an an over obsession with the supernatural and a practice of fakery Mm -hmm. and borrowing from unbiblical and even anti-biblical um, beliefs and practices.
4: Yes, and on top of that, that's the whole point of the school. As students, we're taught that like our job is to take revival to other churches. That that's the whole point of going to BSSM is that you take what Bethel does and you go back to your home church and you and you spread this. It's it's a system of bringing them in, teaching them, and basically being mini apostles for Bethel to spread this stuff.
1: So this is this is all part of the game plan, guys. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> Like he says here, the purpose of Bethel's, you know, seminary, if you want to call it that, like he says, is to train their students to take the new age, unbiblical sort of mysticism to your church, and then spread its heretical teachings among the congregation. So this is why we, you know, well, this is why the Apostle Paul (laughs) would write so extensively about getting these people out of our churches, these people that don't adhere Mm -hmm. to sound doctrine, Um, if only the Church of England would have heeded Paul's warnings. But this is why he does it, because they're coming in to sow their seeds. Like Nikki said, they're the tares amongst your wheat. And that's what Bethel is doing. He says right here, their whole goal, they're not trying to take their, you know, seminary students and go plant churches and Different thing like that. They're trying to raise them up and send them to your church to be apostles in your congregation, spread their falsehoods, their lies, their mysticism, mm-hmm. and convert your
0: congregation. <laughs> he says it it actually breaks churches apart.
1: Yeah, he says it actually breaks churches apart. And he says earlier in here that really anytime you hear somebody talking about revival culture, that's a Bethel movement type thing. They preach revival culture. He says constantly. So if you're in church with people that are talking about revival, revival, we need a revival culture, all this sort of stuff. You best be leery that they're a Bethel alum. And this is their goal. They're bringing the Bethel theology to your church. They're not there to learn your theology. They're there to take their theology to you. And, you Mm. know, this is, again, we talked about Ephesians chapter five, verse three, with keeping the sexually immoral out of your churches Um, The Apostle Paul warns us, but this is why we need to be clear about keeping our churches and really our church members as pure as we can. It doesn't mean that we don't invite sinners in, in, because we're all sinners, right? But the goal is once they come in, you're working to sanctify them, letting go of the sin, letting go of the false doctrine, the false teaching.
0: If they're teaching that sin isn't sin, or if they're bringing in like these kinds of teachings, then yeah.
1: Yeah. So you need to like be aware and not just say, well, sure, they don't believe anything that we believe. And in fact, what they believe is quite anti-biblical and they don't seem to want to change. It's kind of their identity, but we love them. So we just let them stay here. That is absolutely wrong. And the apostle Paul will tell you over and over again, that is wrong. You need to get them out. Um, If they're not willing to uh, repent of their sins, lay down that old life, die to that old life, be born again, and start being sanctified, you have to get rid of them. It doesn't mean this happens overnight, but like, you can't just have a church culture of, we just let sinners come in here and be sinners because we love them. They're going to infect the rest of the flock. They're going to be the tares that grow up amongst your wheat and choke the life out of some of them. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's your job as, as a shepherd, though, is to protect your flock, and that's being harsh sometimes.
1: Yeah, all these wolves are lonely outside of the pen. So we just let them in the pen.
0: Just love them and they'll convert. No, wolves don't convert to sheep.
1: Yeah, I gave him hay. Why do you eat all my sheep? Yeah, wolves don't eat hay. (laughs) They eat sheep. So, but he says clearly in here, uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministries' goal is to send their people out to your church and change it into something that's more in line with the New Age than Christianity. So the question I think that that begs is, if the church is doing this sort of stuff, because Bethel would count themselves among the church, why would we not expect the Antichrist ones to be doing the same thing? So again, this Mm -hmm. LGBTQ movement, you know, if you're down with just bringing in unrepentant, sexually immoral people into your church, would you also be completely comfortable bringing in New Age mysticism? And just letting all of that be spread and influence your church culture. I know.
0: It seems like why not? Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you're down with one group of sinners coming in and just being proud and happy in their sin, why not let them all in? Why have any standard whatsoever? Right? But we can assume that they're doing the same thing, uh, coming in, trying to change your culture. I mean, this is the whole D.I.E. movement, LGBTQ movement. They're going to come in and change your culture from the inside. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't know why this is such a difficult thing for people to come to grips with. It doesn't mean you don't love people. It doesn't mean you don't try to reach them with the gospel. It doesn't mean you don't even invite them to church. But it does mean that at some point, if they refuse to let go of the false teachings, the sinful lifestyles, the unbiblical identity, all these sorts of things, then you have to make the decision that for the betterment of the body, we have to lovingly escort these people out. Mm-hmm. We can't just leave them here to corrupt the whole body. I don't know why that's such a difficult doctrine. It is so
0: twisted the way things are. This whole loving the these people who certainly don't want to repent, and then and then pointing the finger at the sheep who you're supposed to protect, in saying things like "You guys need to be more loving," like.
1: Right, and we're going to talk about this on Monday when we talk about Andy Stanley, you know, and his sort of challenge to the church that, you know, a lot of these LGBTQ people have more faith than you do. Right. You know, If you're sitting in that church and you're like, are you kidding me? They don't got enough faith to let go of their sin, but you're challenging me, you know?
2: But that's the thing,
1: right? Yeah, they're going to lecture the faithful on not being loving towards the unfaithful. Right. It's completely backwards. Church is for the believer. Church is not for the unbeliever. Outreach in the gospel is for the unbeliever. Church is where the saints go to be refreshed and studied in God's word so they can go out to the sinner and share the gospel and bring them into the church to sanctify them. It's not just a way station for sinners. (laughs) That's the rest of the world. That's not the church. I don't know why that's a complicated doctrine.
0: I don't know either. So
1: we may get, we may talk about Bethel more. Um, Denounce Bethel outright in all of their teachings and movements, music. It's a heretical New Age mysticism. It is not Christianity. Uh, It's a shame of Christianity. And I think we just need to make that clear. Um, Doesn't mean you don't love them and try to reach them. For the love of all things holy, still try to reach them with the gospel, but don't accept them in and make peace with their false teachings. You got to denounce it. So do you have any last thoughts before we move into our Bible topic?
0: Um, Nope.
2: Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
1: All right. So this brings us to the end of our discussion on the assurances of salvation. Um, we've gone over a lot of topics here uh, covering, this will be the 15th week now, five weeks on the road to salvation, kind of discussing Roman's road and then nine previous episodes on the assurances of salvation. So today is our 10th and final episode, 10th and final point. If you missed any of the previous episodes, please go back and give them a listen. But do you want to read our 10th and final verse here?
0: First John 4.15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God.
1: Yep. So... This is that, you know, confession that Jesus is Lord. you know, the Messiah and He um, He's your individual savior, right? And you're kind of confessing your individual need to be saved. Um, but unlike, you know, where we mentioned um, that this was kind of the method by which we're saved, um, I think what he's talking about here you know, is basically the opposite of point nine. So we do confess with our mouth that, you know, believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. But I think here with this point, he's sort of contrasting it with point nine, you know, denying Christ. Mm-hmm. So if you're denying that Jesus is Lord, that's an indication that you're not saved. So the converse mm-hmm. to that is this, point 10. If you confess Jesus, we would say both in word and deed, that's an indication that you are saved. That's one of your assurances.
0: Right. It made me think of uh, this verse in Titus 1, starting in uh, 15 to 16. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works, they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work.
1: Yeah, that's a good verse. Um, that definitely speaks to the idea of not just in word, but in deed also. And you can throw in there James chapter two, right? Um, our faith in Christ and our sort of profession of faith should lead us to a lifestyle of producing good fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also a confession of your faith, you know. And you're kind of confessing Christ, and you can see and have assurance that you've confessed Christ truthfully um, by that evidence of the fruit of the spirit working in you. You could see, you know, and that's Galatians chapter five. It talks about, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, if you've confessed the Lord, this to be evident working in you. Um, And I do think it's worth noting that these are not individual attributes where you could have five of the nine working in you. You know, um, when you have the spirit, you should be being sanctified in all nine of these areas. Um, and they should become more evident as mm-hmm. you grow. It doesn't mean all nine of these are going to be maxed out, but you should be getting better growing in these nine traits, you know, as your walk with the Lord continues.
0: Yeah, and those are things you, you see those, those are fruits of the spirit and pray for yourself concerning those things. Like, Lord, help me be more patient. Um, just all of them, just the list, like just think on them. I think I think it's important. I was looking at it like, yeah, I need to pray about that one more. I need help in that area.
1: <laughs> right. And we're all going to have um, deficiencies in some areas, probably more than others, but we should be praying for those deficiencies and they should be improving right you may not ultimately have the most self-control of any christian you ever met but you should have more self-control than when you first came to christ 20 years down the road you know that's a good indication so that's point number 10 you know if you confess the lord jesus uh, and we would say confess him with your word and your deeds you know that jesus is the son of god then you can feel confident that you have assurance of your salvation.
0: Yeah, and just that last part where he says, You are in. Let me let me read it again.
1: He says, and that he or that
0: God abides, God abides in, him, in
1: him and he in God. And
0: he in God. Because people can say, Well, Christ is in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. But are you abiding in God? Like, yes, God abides in you. Like that's you have to look at both. Everybody can say, God is in me, but are you in God? Are you Following God. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that one? Just well, thinking think... on explaining both of them to people. Like we all can easily, more easily say that. Well, right.
1: And we've talked before on here. I think about, you know, it's kind of the opposite is true. You would think that people that become that walk with the Lord longer and have a stronger relationship with the Lord would need him less in a sense, you would think, you know they may, maybe they don't need to be in the word quite as much. Maybe they don't need to be as prayed up. But what you find is the opposite. Yeah. The people who have been walking with the Lord longer and whose faith is stronger, they're more reliant on God. They spend more time in prayer, more time in the word as they get older. They don't spend less. Um, so that's you abiding in God. You know, we abide in him when we're opening his word, when we're reading it, we're praying, and when we're with the body of Christ, you know, it's hard to believe that the Spirit of God resides in you when you hate the body of Christ.
0: Right. You know, I don't like
1: being around, you know, at church, because all those people are hypocrites. Do you love the Lord? That's his body. Uh, So, you know, I would be cautious with thoughts like that. I would pray against thoughts like that. And then just one last note on these. um, And this isn't a point from the gospel or from the book of first John, but I think it's an important sort of accompanying verse. And that's Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. And it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So these assurances of salvation, this is a road we walk for a lifetime. Um, You know, you never stop confessing Christ. You never stop, Mm. you know, working good deeds and all this sort of stuff. You know, it's not a, I said a prayer one time 20 years ago, so I'm good. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians to run the race. Um, Do you want to read verse 24 through 27?
0: Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified.
1: Yeah. So run the race that you might obtain the prize. Mm. Um, And this is a lifetime race. So Um, Just good things to consider there. I have one last quote I want to read from C.S. Lewis. This is from Mere Christianity. He says, To have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. Uh, We should probably pass this along to the Church of England. But he goes on, but trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Um, not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because a first faint glimpse of heaven is already inside you. So again, mm. we're not struggling to do these good deeds. And, um, you know, like James, James says to, you know, uh, show our faith by our works. This isn't a struggle. It's we're doing it out of affection for God, love for God, understanding that His law is perfect. It's the best way for us to live. Um, you know that sort of stuff. So because we're already saved, we're not doing it to be saved. It's not a works based faith. We're doing it because we're already saved. Yeah, He's already done the you work in us. Witness
0: the miracle taking place in yourself. Not that we're. Perfect in every way. But when we look at ourselves and we see the evidence that God has saved us, we see that we love and forgive our enemies. Um, it comes to us more naturally as if we're a new creation because we are in it. And we praise God seeing these good works um, and fruits coming out of us. Be- because we know it's only him doing it in us. We can't change our own heart. We can't strive in the flesh. The flesh can't forgive. Um, that it's just such a miracle to even come to a place where you can forgive people who've done great, um, sin against you. Um, so just, it just causes you to praise God. Uh, that's your assurance of your salvation is, you just witnessing in yourself what he's, what he's doing.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, please go give these a listen again. If you've missed any of them, we'd love to hear from you in the comments, what you think about these assurances, uh, what we, what you think about anything that we talked about here today. We'd love to hear from you guys discuss this stuff. If you're not happy that I said, Phil Dooley doesn't take his job seriously, uh, you can let me know. Um, but Otherwise, our sermon recommendation, like we said, is going to be this follow-up video to Bethel. Um, We encourage you guys to listen to that. And then, again, come back Monday. We're going to be discussing Charles and Andy Stanley. And then we'll roll back into our normal um, devotionals going through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, But that is all we got. We'll see you guys on Monday. God bless.